This is Donna Peters back for season four of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. Here we continue to shine a mic on career-driven, life-minded professionals, sharing our wins and our warts as we cultivate the role we want work to play in our lives. Putting work to work for us, as I like to say, let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, I'm interviewing Johanna Willer. She is a healthcare executive and a strategist. She has an MBA from Duke University and studied economics and public policy as an undergrad. We're going to orient this discussion around her experience redefining her identity. Welcome, Johanna Willer, to the Me Suite. Hi, it's nice to be here. So, Johanna, I'm going to tell a funny story about the first time I ever met you. Do you remember the first time that I met you when we were recruiting? I, I remember when we were on a beach together. It was the beach. It was. <laughs> yes. You do remember this. Well, okay, this was a recruiting event. And I was, you know, supposed to be stuffy corporate recruiter. And we were trying to mm-hmm. woo you to get you to say yes to your offer because we wanted you so badly. And mm-hmm. we had a social event and it just happened to be on the beach. Well, I go out onto the beach basically head to toe in clothing because I'm so uptight and self-conscious about my body. I get to the beach and you're standing there in a bikini, rocking a bikini. And you introduce me to your, I believe Rhonda was even your fiance at that time, right? Not just girlfriend, No, maybe? she was girlfriend. She, she was would have girlfriend. been girlfriend then. Okay, yeah. when in doubt, always promote up. <laughs> but okay, so <laughs> she was your girlfriend at the time, later became a fiance and is now your wife. And That's I right. re- remember meeting you at that time and just thinking, because I didn't have the word authentic in my vocabulary really, but I was thinking, I don't think I've ever met anyone in the professional world who was so comfortable in their own skin. And then now fast forward, here we are, and I want to have a conversation with you about that. Um, I'll get into that meet in just a moment, but I have to start you where we start every interview in the Me Suite, and that is with your core values. Could you share with the listeners your core values and how they drive decisions that you make? Sure. So for me, I've long used what I call the deathbed test, which... Sounds and is quite morbid. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime I have a big fork in the road, a big decision to make, and I just don't know which way to go, mm-hmm. I do a, a visualization exercise. Okay. Where I actually, I do imagine myself kind of lying in a coffin and like wow. it's all over. Last breath has been taken. No more choices to be made. Okay. And I, f- I think, what would I have regretted? And um, that brings things into a very stark light for me and oftentimes makes the decision very easy to make. Okay. And so that I think in some ways brings brings you back to your core values, brings you back to all of the things that matter. It's not the here and now, it's the long term. So that's the first one. Wow. And then my second um, rule that I live by, particularly in my career, is I always want to be learning mm. and I I don't want to work with jerks. Okay. So <laughs> keep it simple. Um, yeah, I think that's 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 the big one where I think about what role I'm going to take or should I join a team or a company. Yeah, I really am am guided by those two things. All right, well, I love it. So we have a deathbed test and a jerk test. This part of your pretty much. I love yes. it. I love that sums it up. <laughs> it sums it up. I love everything about it and very memorable too. You have used the expression that along your life journey, you have redefined your identity 
And you also have said that you evolved what womanhood meant in the workplace. Do you mind if we take those two topics separately and Mm -hmm. riff on those a few minutes? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Uh, Is there any order you want to take them in? I think we can start out with identity because then I think womanhood is like everything else falls under. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with redefined my identity. So who are you and what does that mean? I think um, I I grew up, I had a wonderful childhood and upbringing. I have an amazing family, the most supportive parents you could imagine. I have three sisters who are my best friends. Um, So I really had a a strong springboard in life. Mm -hmm. Um, With that came my own expectations for who I was and what I would be. Mm -hmm. And that didn't necessarily include reaching X position at at Y company, it was more, I was going to carry a briefcase and be financially independent. Like from very early on, I wanted to have a briefcase and go to an office. Okay. Riddle riddle me this as a kid. And then the second thing was I was going to have a family. Okay. And I was going to take joy in seeing my children grow. And interestingly enough, maybe I would also have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally that partner would, would be a man. Okay. Maybe I'd meet one that I liked, you know, and then we would have a family together. So these were kind of these core things, expectations that I had yeah. um, of myself. And um, so fast forward, I'm in my twenties and, you know, I had the benefit of having some really supportive friends, coaches, um, my college environment that really opened my eyes to the world and <laughs> just people come in all shapes, sizes, genders, sexualities, and all of that. But I I still internally was very clear who I was until I um, reached my 20s and something started to shift. Um, and I became aware that I was not straight. Yeah, That was, a, that was the starting point. It's like, I'm not a heterosexual person. Okay. Um, and so that was very confusing. And I was exploring that. Didn't say a word to anybody at first, just kind of trying to really wrestle with that. And then I went to business school and on the very first day of school, funny story, actually, um, I saw my wife and I was like, well, if there's anyone that is female here that I'd like to date, it's her. I I was very interested. She, she raised her hand in class and corrected the professor on the first day of school. And I was like, you're mine. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? So I think that suddenly I then um, had to really wrestle with this question of being a bisexual. I could continue and I did continue to date men for mm-hmm. a while um, and could kind of fit in with what I had thought who I was. And then as my now wife and I started to get to know each other, we started dating. It was, okay, I'm going to outwardly be to the world. Like people mm-hmm. are going to, in some ways, and they do see me as a lesbian mm-hmm. because I am with a woman. Yes. Um but then how do I understand my identity and really claim that as a bisexual? And so yeah. the process of coming out of knowing what that would mean for having children, yeah. right? So how would that impact that? Um, and this was back in 2008, 2009. So it was really at the height of where you were getting into the swing of the LGBTQ rights movement. Yeah, We were getting some traction, but marriage was not legal at that time. Right. So, so I really my identity took a major shift. And and luckily, I don't think I um, lost any friends over it. My family was very Mm -hmm. supportive of it. 
but I did, we did experience discrimination. Okay. Um, in a, in a couple different ways. And so you just have to be ready for that. Um, and so that, that was, I think the first time that I really almost in some ways you grieve who you were Mm. in your own mind, but then you also have to step in. What I found was I was now a part of this wonderful community. Yeah. And um, what was interesting is the company I was joining and you were trying to recruit me to had mm-hmm. the most welcoming LGBTQ mm. plus um, environment. And they took me in with both arms um, and said, oh, you got a girlfriend? Great. Welcome. Yeah. We'd love to meet her. And I think what was funny um, hearing you talk about meeting on the beach is that was really during that process where yeah. I was really trying to figure out who could I share? Where was I safe to share? Mm-hmm. How would this potentially impact my job opportunities? Yeah. You don't know all of this. Right. Um, and um, so that was really the first time that I was like, okay, here I am. I'm going to go out into the world and very publicly yeah. um, be a bisexual woman Yeah, and come back to the deathbed test. When it's all said and done, mm. I could have fit into kind of what the heteronormative world would have expected. Yeah. What I expected of myself, but that would mean that I wouldn't get to be with her. Right. And and that was the easiest decision I made mm-hmm. when you put it that way. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even a decision to make. It was Non-negotiable. So right. Yeah. Right. What did you mean when you said that you had evolved womanhood in the workplace? What does that mean? Yeah. So uh, when I was young in my career, mm-hmm. I moved to New York because I just wanted an adventure mm-hmm. and um, joined a, a very small uh, consulting company in New York. And uh, all of the executives there, the uh, the partners were all men. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the lower levels, there were women. I don't think that was intentional. Um, I don't feel like there was some kind of crazy bias. That's just what happened to be. Yeah. And we worked with clients who were all kind of like, suited up, polished New York executive men. And um, there was something about that dynamic that made me incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. So it could have been an experience, but a big part of it was um, I did not want to showcase being young or being female. Mm. And so I bought kind of oversized suits Mm-hmm. And these kind of big clunky shoes. Nice. Because um, I, my theory at the time was I, I actually literally have to keep up. Mm. So when you're, you're taking the subway and you're going to Midtown to meet a client, the men that I worked with mm. walked too fast for me to keep up with them in heels. Got it. So I bought clunky shoes that had rubber soles uh-huh. that I could literally run through the airport or I could run from the subway up into a meeting. But the, um, the effect was that I basically kind of took away my femininity in the uh-huh. workplace. Interesting. And um, I was very self-conscious about being young. And, mm-hmm. and I did get winks, you know, random winks from the clients. You know, you go to the happy hour or whatever. Uh-huh. And um, there kind of was just a feeling that you were the young thing in the crew, you know, yeah. and that. That was very uncomfortable for me. I wanted to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. um, but I also was aware that I didn't know everything. So I wasn't an expert. So yeah. what value could I bring? And so in some ways, I think that led me to really like almost mask my womanhood. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah. Interesting. And um, 
that continued until I went to business school and was thinking about um, pivoting out of that particular industry that I was in and moving into a different one. And um, funny enough, I had friends and my girlfriend at the time looked in my closet and was like, what is this? Like, you (laughs) wear this? And um, seeing my classmates um, and, and other professionals that really, there, there's something about a power suit. Yeah. When you feel confident yeah. in your suit and your dress um, mm. and you feel like you are your most authentic, like good looking self. Yeah. This is not about being sexy, but it is about like actually showcasing who you are. Yeah. That brings the most confidence to me. Yeah. And so where things like wearing bright colors, wearing statement jewelry pieces, um, things like that are always now what I think for and wearing clothes that actually fit you nicely. Yeah. So nothing too tight and nothing baggy. Mm -hmm. You want something that fits nicely. That gives you in some ways your suit of armor as you're going out into the world. Yeah. And so I think now uh, you can find power in that and after leaving business school and and advancing in my career, I was oftentimes the only woman in the room. We've all been there. Right, right. And there is really, I had some mentors that said, use that to your advantage. You are memorable. Ah, interesting. Because you are the only woman in the room. Yeah. Use that. Um, So really helped me kind of see how you turn some of these things, which I made me uncomfortable, made me want to mask myself and then said, no, this is actually can be your superpower. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was very good advice from whoever that was. Yeah. That is really cool. And what you said though, about you know f- feeling confident or whatever in what you're wearing, I think that that's true for any person. Uh, you, you just were trying to be more like the guys when you didn't have to be. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing it. I think sometimes in the business world, we don't like to talk about what it means to show up or feel feminine. You don't often hear mm-hmm. that word used in the business world. So I appreciate you you mentioning it. I Twice a year, I meet with a stylist uh, to you know, decide, am I going to refresh things about my work wardrobe, et cetera. And I basically stand there like a mannequin and she just throws stuff on me and will tell me whether or not it looks good. And I do have to say, it is one of my favorite times of year. <laughs> I just, love that. It's just awesome. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I, I know what you mean. And but I know men who do the same thing and feel the same way. So I, I don't think that this is a gender specific. I just think we don't often talk about it as women. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It's interesting. Now I have the opposite, right? Where as an aging woman in uh-huh. the workforce, okay, right? Like it's like we can never be happy. There was maybe this one blissful moment where you were had all the expertise in your career, but you didn't have all the wrinkles <laughs> that came with it. So you also now you're you're coming out of the stylist, I think is right. You know, in terms of the pandemic, mm. my wardrobe is three years old at this point. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, being a new mom, I'm not out there looking at the trends. So actually having <laughs> some help to tell you, yeah. you know what, like be with the times and and wear things that um are comfortable. Yeah. And really, are you and your brand? Yeah, but also make you memorable in the workplace. Yeah, pretty much every person in their family needs to have a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, an accountant, maybe, and somebody who is willing to tell you the truth about whether or not you look good in that outfit. Yes. Right? So I have to go get a stylist for that advice outside of my mm-hmm. family. But really, that's all we need, right? <laughs> 
so I funny. think that's right. So you're, you are a new mom. That's right. And in a dual career household. Mm-hmm. You are, you, it's funny, you mentioned before that you wanted to feel heard and respected. What was the word you used? You said something different. You said, I wanted to be taken seriously. Taken yeah. seriously, yeah. Yeah, you said earlier that you wanted to be taken seriously in the workplace, which I laugh at having known you and worked with you. I mean, I challenge anybody to not take you seriously. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so It's so interesting, I think, and so important for listeners to hear what you just said earlier. On the outside looking in, you are a person walking through the universe with your shit together. Mm-hmm. And then now you're sharing all these things that you worked through to have your shit together. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a journey. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah, it's amazing. Is there anything that I didn't ask about related to redefining your identity and the womanhood in the workplace that you want to hit on before I change topics? You know, there's um, there's one thing that I... I hope we'll shed over time. I mm-hmm. see really, I really love kind of the newer generation coming um, uh-huh. behind us does not have tolerance for all of the genderedness okay. in the world. Okay. And I, I love that. Um, but one of the things that, that I do think about, not in dress or, or appearance, because that's just one aspect, mm-hmm. but in terms of um, advocating for yourself, mm. advocating for your career and having courage to have somewhat uncomfortable conversations in the workplace. We were making a joke at some point, but this phrase came of like, I'm not going to be a chump. Okay. And what we mean by that is, you know what? There are other people out in the world asking for more compensation, mm-hmm. asking for better benefits demanding that promotion, not being afraid to go out and look at what other opportunities might be out there at another company that would be an advancement. And if you are waiting for the world to recognize you and just gift that to you, Uh then you're probably going to be a chump. Okay. Probably not going to come. So I think we almost have these proverbial other people that that I think of in the world. And I'm like, well, other people are going to go ask for that. I don't know. I'm not privy to those conversations, but I imagine that they will. Yeah. So I need to do it too. Yeah. I'm not going to be left behind. And that has given me the courage to really go in and say, well, I think I'd like an additional uh, signing bonus. Or in, in my mind, it feels like audacious. Yeah. But I get the courage to do it, to say, I don't want to leave anything on the table in yeah. terms of opportunities, um, financial job-wise or, or otherwise. yeah. And so that's a little kind of like trick that I keep in the back of my head, which is you can always be told no. And so what? Yeah. But if you don't ask, if you don't demand, then the world can't respond. Companies, your supervisor, others, yeah. um, you're definitely not going to get it if you don't ask for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and, and the worst case scenario is they don't even know what you wanted and didn't, didn't even have a chance to give it to you if they could have. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, w- when you're playing that through in your head, are you just rationalizing that what's the worst that can happen is they say no? Is that what you play in your head to have the confidence to go do it, to go ask for what you want? I think it's more just this idea that um, other people are not going to be afraid to ask. Yeah. So. And, and they will get it, and I won't. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a competitive uh-huh. drive. Okay. And and you and by imagining that other people are asking for things. Yeah makes it okay for you to ask too. Yeah. 
And there, there's ways to do it appropriately, respectfully, right. at the right time. You know, all of that. You can't go charging in. Yeah. But I think if I didn't force myself mm-hmm. and really say, you know what, you are going to get left behind unless you go do this, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the courage. I have to build that up in myself. Yeah. Um, and my experience has been when you go in and you make the ask, generally you get it. Yeah. Like it, it you're just like amazed. Wait, what? Yeah. And they said yes. <laughs> and that gives you the courage to go back and ask again. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of um, mystery and um, lack of transparency yeah. in, in certain areas in the corporate world, particularly when it comes to benefits, compensation, right. promotion decisions, some of that. Flexibility um, and work arrangement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. it's interesting too. I love what you're saying because I do find my listener base are typically career-driven, high-performing professionals. And I do believe we need to be careful what we wish for because we're probably going to get it. Right? <laughs> yes. Right? So be really clear about what you truly want because when you go ask for it, you're probably going to get it. Yeah. And Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> So pivoting to my last question, Johanna, what advice do you have for listeners for things that we could start doing differently on Monday? My advice, um, given what feels like often chaos in the world right now, mm-hmm. is um, to really always think back to that deathbed test. Okay. Just bring, bring it back to the basics in some ways. That is my personal trick. Some people may have a more positive spin on it, uh-huh. but keep perspective. Yeah. So things are going to go wrong in your day. Bad news is going to come. You're going to have challenges, big and small, as you just literally try to make it through the day. But if you keep those kind of core pivotal things in mind as to what really matters to you, that other stuff doesn't actually matter. Yeah. And so for me, that allows me to let things roll off my back a lot easier because we kind of feel like you get piled up on every now and then. Well, I'll just go back to say, you know what? When everything is said and done in my life, does any of this actually matter? And you'd be surprised. Very few things do. And so you just work through it and it allows you yeah. to kind of go with the flow a little bit better. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us a lot to think about, about our personal identity, about managing our bags of crap. We all have that around keeping things in perspective and uh, going back to the way we started. Uh, Just thank you for the effortlessness that you appear to go through the world with just being your authentic self. I've I've learned a lot from you by watching the way you bring your authentic self to everything that you do. It's just a real pleasure. And thank you for sharing yourself with the Me Suite. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for spending time in the Me Suite. If you have ideas for topics you'd like discussed this season, contact me at themesuite.com or on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, five-star ratings and reviews keep us alive out here. They really do make a difference.